Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking to a man who has a gift for building barbecue businesses. Hey family, hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. I am super excited to bring you this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. We have my good friend Joey Machado, who's from Blue Hog, uh, sorry, Blues Hog Barbecue and Gateway Drum Smokers. That's going to be a great chat that's coming up very soon. But before that, I've just got a couple of announcements that I need to run by you. The first is that I'd like to Thank our podcast partner, Jagged, for coming on board for this episode. If you're out there and you're looking at getting a new smoker oven or a new um, uh, gravity-fed cabinet or something custom-built, make sure you go check out Jagged. Built out of WA, Jules and Glenn are some of the best people going, and they make some incredible products. So make sure you do check them out. Next, if you're just at the beginning of your barbecue journey and uh, you'd like to know some more information about how to get stuck into it, Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com. We've got our free ebook over there for you, recently awarded at the NBBQA conference last year. So head on over there, check that out. It's completely free, smokinghotconfessions.com. And I'd like to give a big uh, welcome this morning to the people that are joining us for this live recording in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community uh, on Facebook. We're up for about 90 seconds. We've got almost two dozen people uh, joining us today. William joined us earlier this morning. He's back again for this one. Big day. This is great. Yes, mate, we've got a couple of great episodes lined up for you today, and I'm really looking forward to bringing them to you. So if you would like to be a part of future live podcast recordings, make sure you jump on over to the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook. It's a great little barbecue group. It's family friendly. It's all about barbecue, and all the other stuff just gets left at the door. So do come join us. If you're watching this later on on YouTube, do give us a, a thumbs up, a subscribe, and hit that little notification bell. If it's on Facebook, it's all about the likes, the shares, and the comments, particularly the shares. If you're watching it on IGTV, give us one of those cute little love hearts. They're so lovely. And do make sure you give us a five-star rating and review on a podcast app if you're listening in at a later date. They really help us out, and in the last 30 days, we have been as high as number six on the US podcast charts for food and number three in the Australian podcast charts for food. So that really helps us out a lot and really helps us get our message out there. Now, as I said, we've got Joey in the wings here. He's waiting to come on out. He does the marketing for Blues Hog and Gateway Drum Smokers. Now, he has a real gift for recognizing strong brands and and then turning around and growing those barbecue businesses. And he's also picked up uh, the odd cooking award as well in some IBCA and SCA cook-offs as well. So he's a all-round uh, barbecue guru, I guess. He knows how to cook. He knows how to compete. He knows how to build brands. But I think that's about all the hype up you need from me. Let's get Joey in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Joey, long time no see, my friend. How are you today? Doing well, Ben. It's uh, really, really good to be here. Uh, great to see you. It's been, I don't even know how long it's been since I've seen you. I can actually tell you the last time that we met in person was the 2019 NBBQA conference in Kansas City. And yeah. I remember that one particularly because we were doing a quick little mini interview on site for the, uh, for the uh, conference. And 30 mm -hmm. seconds into the recording, I had got an Amber Alert on my phone and it shut down the whole recording and we didn't know until we'd finished. And so then we had to do it all again. So that's how I remember that one. <laughs> Oh no. I think last time we were uh trying to figure out how we were gonna 
collect you and get you to uh, the NBBQA and all that kind of good stuff before all this craziness happened. That's right. Yeah, I, I was uh, going to be jumping in your truck with you and going on a bit of a road trip. That that was yep. going to be fantastic. But of course, like so many other things last year, it uh, it got cancelled. We'll just have to line it up for 2022. Yep, 100%. Yeah. So, mate, tell me, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Um, Actually, the last thing that I barbecued was last weekend in... Um, where was I? Uh, we were in Bill Chase, Louisiana, uh, right outside of New Orleans with uh, James Cruz for Hogs for the Cause. And uh, they wound up, they did whole hog and we did uh, pork ribs, pork shoulder, uh, you name it, pork, it was made. Yeah, I, I love Hogs for the Cause. That's one of my favorite festivals. Now, it, it moved this year, didn't it? It, it wasn't at the yes. New Orleans University. No, they moved this year right outside of New Orleans to uh, Bell Chase, which is just right on the other side of the bridge. Um, and actually, it was it was a really really neat. Uh, it was it it was in a field. I mean, but it was a cool location. Um, it, it was just uh, kind of like a, a fairgrounds, older fairgrounds, I guess it was. And um, it unfortunately has had around here. It's been raining, Texas, Louisiana, all that. It's been raining for months. And I think we're finally, finally out of it. And it happened to be this last weekend while we were there in New Orleans, um, it continued to rain. And of course, this was the first live of uh, big venue, I guess, that had really happened in the New Orleans area um, for, I think they said it was, um, I can't remember how many days they said now, but I mean, it, it's been a long time ever since they shut it down. And um, so, the event got sold out. They had a, a limited attendance, not as many as they normally did. I think normally they had about 10,000 people that, that came. And um, this one, I think they probably had maybe 3,000 people there, maybe a little bit more. Uh, but everyone came out. It was raining all day. Um, there was Everyone had mud boots and had a fun time, and kids were sliding in the mud. And <laughs> um, I, I mean, it was, it, it was just crazy, you know, but it was really good to see it. How many people came out? It's a great cause. Um, they raised $2.8 million for um, children's brain cancer. Um, and they did that plan. I think they planned plan it in four months. And um, it's a basically a two-day event. Um, and uh, like I said, it, it was just, it was nuts. And if you've never seen the awards uh, for that, we actually live streamed it uh, on uh the barbecue league, our channel that we do for blues hog. Um, we actually live stream those awards. You can go back and check them out, but that was probably the most amazing awards I've ever seen. Um, and I've been to a lot of awards from Jack to Royal to you name it. I've been to all of them. And, uh, this one was probably the neatest one. Yeah. I, I was, uh, really impressed when I was there, um, a couple of years ago and, uh, mm -hmm. the, the hogs for the cause, man, there's not much, um, there's not, many causes that are better than, uh, you know, raising money for kids with brain cancer. So important stuff there. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was just like a huge party. Um, of course, I was there before all the craziness, so there weren't, you know, population caps and stuff. And it was just wild. Right. It was so good. Well, that's exactly what I told my daughter. I said it would just, it just seemed like a big frat party, but there was families there. It was, it was crazy. And, and four inches of mud. Yes. <laughs>
I did actually see the photos of you all standing there with your with all your 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 barbecue clothes on and repping all the brands, and then these giant giant uh, rubber boots just covered in mud. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was definitely what it was. Boots boots were were part of the outfit this past weekend. I actually today <laughs> I spent all day cleaning everything. I had gateway drums that were covered in mud, and all my coolers. Um, uh, every single thing that I had has been, was in mud. I probably got rid of 20 pounds of mud this morning. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. So what were some of the, um, some of the more interesting, uh, sort of different things that people cooked? I remember when I was there, there was a dessert category. And so you had to make desserts with pork in them. And I saw things like bacon ice cream and things like that. What sort of things did you see? There was actually everything. Um, so unfortunately, there they they don't really go through, and you're not able to really understand what all the desserts or what all the dishes are. Some people cook savory, some people cook sweet. So they have one that's called pork, uh, pork curry, which is uh, basically it can be anything. It's just got to have pork in it. Then they have a bacon category. Then they had a mayo category. And then they also had a hot sauce category. And so those things could be technically anything as long as they had that in there. Uh, we went savory this year. Uh, I made a, a, a chicken spinach and bacon empanada that was really, really good. And it's just basically a fried pie. And we did a chimichurri on it. Um, I recently, I've been spending some time with a friend of mine from Argentina originally. And he's been showing me a lot of this Argentinian style cooking. And um, I went up there with a sweet version and a savory version. The savory one won with our group, but did not win with the judges. So uh, everything, I think, was pretty sweet there. Um, and then the pork puree, pork puree one that we did was actually a pork belly ramen uh, dish that actually was phenomenal. And we wound up six with that one, and that one was, that one was really, really good. And uh, after the dust settled or the mud settled, whatever you want to call it, uh, we actually wound up third overall. And uh, so just right outside of, uh, you know, we, we're almost there. This has been a year of almost. I, I don't know how many second places I've gotten this year. You know, we wound up third overall at uh, Memphis in May this year. Uh, you know, we got second place shoulder or we got first place shoulder there, but we basically got third overall there at Memphis in May. Um, you know, uh, James and I, James Cruz from Central City Barbecue out of Louisiana, uh, him and I actually went up to New York uh, and cooked um, at Brisket King, uh, a pig beach, and we came in second there. Um, what else did we do? Uh, there, there was all kinds of things that we cooked at this year. And like I said, we were this close. Yeah, I, did I see that you did the um the NYC BBQ competition as well, or yep. was that or was that Pig Beach? Is that the one that you're talking about? That that was Pig Beach. So that okay. one was uh, Brisket King, and yep. uh, that one was uh, that one was a really really cool event. I'm glad we got to go. Um, we have a good friend of ours uh, who is building pits right now, right outside at actually in Luling, Texas, right outside of where I'm at. I'm I'm very central. I'm I'm 30 minutes from Austin, Texas. I'm 30 minutes from San Antonio. I'm an hour from Houston. And I happen to be about 20 minutes from Luling, Texas, which a lot of you guys, you know, y'all may know Luling Lockhart. That's pretty much the the uh, capital of barbecue for us in Texas. And uh, there's a guy there right now 
um, who is building uh, some really, really nice offsets, uh, Syntex. And uh, when James and I were going to go up and go cook up at Pig Beach, um, we had a, uh, I, I had to find us a cooker. And uh, so it happened to be Syntex had just sold a cooker up there, a thousand gallon offset um, to a guy there with Brothers Barbecue there in New Jersey. And um, so he was willing to let us use our pit. Um, so we got up there. We actually beat the pit there. So we got there before the pit got there. The pit got there about three hours after we got there. And uh, I took up about a quart of, uh, of Texas post oak. And we cooked a, a few cases of uh, Snake River Farmers briskets for that event. And uh, like I said, we, we turned out it was a great dish. And we wound up, uh, like I said, second overall. And uh, But it, it's either way, it was a great event. And, and we did a, uh, I think we did Texas great justice and Louisiana great justice there. I dare say so, mate. Yeah. So is it is it common that you will uh, cook on a cooker for the first time at these competitions? Like you, like you guys have just got your processes down <laughs> so hot, so well now. You just roll up and grab anything and cook on it. Um, it's very common for me to do it uh, because I get kind of thrown into a lot of different situations, and you know, and my mentality is uh, I just make it work. You know, um, it's I luckily I'd cooked on Mo's before. Um, so Mo has the same exact pit and, uh, and some of the other syntax equipment that he had. So I already knew how they cooked and, um, I'd already taken some time and, uh, Michael Johnson is, is the gentleman's name, him and his father who actually build those pits. And I had spent some time, you know, I had a, a good 18 hour drive, uh, up to New Jersey. And, uh, so I spent a lot of time with Michael on the phone and, you know, just basically going, Hey, look, you know, walk me through some scenarios and, you know, that type of deal. And, um, and we actually, we got there, we, we actually, we burned the pit for one hour and, uh, then we directly threw riskets on it and, um, and they turned out phenomenal. And, uh, but again, like I said, is, is, you know, I think that there's a lot of mentality with a lot of people who, you know, really want to take the time and, and season it correctly and, you know, do all these steps. Um, I've had enough brand new pits in my life that, uh, I kind of don't think that there's that much of a difference, you know, it, as long as you go in there and you, you're, you're, you're starting your fuels correctly and you're burning your fuels correctly and you know, all this other stuff you, you're, you know, it's all good. Gateway drums. We clean them after every time that we cook, we, we completely clean them like brand new. So, uh, it's like cooking on a brand new can every single time. Um, you know, Tim Shear and, you know, some of these other guys do a lot better job than I do, but, um, for the most part, you know, uh, we, we take it down to clean every time. Yeah. Right. I, the, those gateway drums are getting just so popular over here as well. What, um, what sort of tips do you have for cleaning them out, uh, after each competition? Um, really and truly, um, as far as cleaning those pits, you know, normally what I try to do is, is clean them as quickly mm -hmm. as possible. Um, which is very, very difficult for me because normally when I leave somewhere, I don't go directly home. Uh, I'm usually headed somewhere else or, you know, I travel during that week and that stuff never gets out of the van until, you know, I get to the next location. Uh, luckily, there's lots of car washes and stuff like that on the way. And uh, honestly, I have a, a degreaser that I use, spray the cans, um, shoot them, uh, dry them out as much as possible. Uh, we put kitty litter in a lot of them, uh, for a couple of different reasons. Um, 
one of the main ones is to soak up grease. Now we, and that makes it a lot easier to clean in the bottom of the can. But one of the things is, which I've made the mistake before is do not use kitty litter that smells. Uh, you have to use just regular old kitty litter. And, um, you know, in a lot of places have, they have, it's, it's actually a, a material to use to soak up grease. You can buy them at auto, uh, parts places and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of times, you know, you'll see that in some of the bottoms of these cans. And, uh, the reason why is, is because you can actually flip a can and that stuff will come right out with the grease in it. Um, you know, and, uh, but like I said, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. You definitely. Know, keeping sense. the outside clean is like a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the paintwork looks so good. I don't know that I'd be hitting the outside with degreaser and spraying it down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now you, we've mentioned um, sort of how much you you travel around, and your lifestyle would have to be the envy of just about everybody listening or watching to this show. I think you basically your your job is to travel to competitions and and meet people and and promote the uh, the the companies that you work for. So, give us a bit of an idea of um, of a day in the life. I mean, it all looks like it's this amazing thing. You just sort of show up and party and, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. Give us an idea of what, of, of what life is really like. Well, <clears throat> one of the main things what a lot of people don't understand uh, about what I do is first off, I don't drink. Um, so I don't party. Um, you know, I hang out with the best of them, but uh, that's really the only way I think I could function uh, to be real honest with the schedule that I keep. Um, but honestly, you know, with what I do, it's with this brand and every other brand that I've been involved with is first off, I, I treat every brand as, as if it's my own. Um, secondly, um, I try to engage with as many people as possible. And, um, it's not only because I want to do this marketing job, it's because I'm, I'm genuinely involved with most of these people. Um, and like I said, I keep in contact with people. I probably spend an hour and a half to two hours a day, um, just responding to social media stuff, um, emails. Uh, I probably spend more time on Facebook, um, than I do on answering emails and I probably should spend more time answering emails, but, um, <laughs> I honestly, you know, anybody whose birthday it is, or, you know, uh, congratulating them on the cook the past weekend. You know, if they've used our products, we we try to um, we try to appreciate those who appreciate us, and um, that's part of uh, that that that's part of it. You know, whether they're using Blue's Hard products or they're using, uh, you know, our our charcoals or our sauces or our seasonings uh, or the Gateway drums. That's the nice thing now is I can have a relationship with almost anybody because of the fact that you know I. If you if you don't use my fuel but you use my sauce, we can be friends. You know, if you use my fuel but you don't use my sauce, we can be friends. You know, if you use my gateway but you don't use my sauce or charcoal, we can still be friends. Uh, we're also doing uh, Meet the Pitmaster series that we're doing uh, through the Barbecue League. Um, so I have a videographer, Mark Suarez, who I've actually been working with for a very long time, uh, you know, back since the BNB days. And um, he's technically kind of working for us, you know, directly in the, in the barbecue realm of things. Um, he's still a freelancer, but you know, I keep him pretty busy on barbecue stuff. A lot of the places that I go to Mark gets to come as well. So we have a lot of stuff going on a lot. You know, I do TikTok as well. 
um, I think it's I think it's very important, you know, to be able to cover all these social media bases. Um, and I discover a lot of people um, through social media, you know, a lot of people that we need to spend time with and a lot of people who, you know, appreciate the brands because it's not always about the big guys, um, you know, who've got the hundreds of thousands of views and, you know, and, and all the credentials and all this other stuff. There's a lot of small guys who actually do a great job in social media and uh, understand how to promote. And, um, you know, and it's not all about, um, you know, it, it's I meet more people with their hands out, you know, who just want free stuff all the time. And, you know, the guys who are like, oh, yeah, you give me something and, I, and I'm going to your brand's going to be the one I push. And it's I don't like that. I, I like the guys who go, man, I've been using your stuff for years. You know, and uh, and that's the ones who, you know, I lean towards, you know, working with later. And, um, you know, all these things that I do, again, it's all part of my day, depending on where I'm going, what I'm headed to. You know, we have lots of things that are working in the background. You know, we have these Q events, uh, which are, uh, there's Q in the Lou. I don't think you've ever gone to any of those, have you? Not, not Q in the Lou, no. So Q and the Lou had been at a, a barbecue festival. It's been around a long time. Um, there's a guy named Robert, Brian Wabi, um, who started putting that on a long time ago. And actually, it's one of those events that I met a lot of people in barbecue through. And we started going to those events. And uh, now uh, the Blues Hog brand is going to be heavily involved in that. We're going to be the sauce and the charcoal for those events. Um, and we're also going to vend as Blues Hog there. So we will be in Denver, Colorado. We'll be in Kansas City, Missouri, or no, Kansas City, sorry, Kansas. And then we will be in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, then Jacksonville, Florida at the end, closer to December. And um, so those are all things that are going to be happening. You know, we one of those overlaps the Royal this year. So I won't go to the Royal this year. Um, I'll do this uh, this event instead, but I'll, Tim and the whole crew from Blues Hog will be at the Royal this year. If you're looking for your next barbecue smoker or grill, Jagged Woodfired has got what you need. Owners Julianne and Glenn are multiple award-winning barbecue competitors who have even travelled to the US to compete at the World Barbecue Championships in Houston, Texas. Based out of Perth and shipping nationwide, Jagged is one of the largest pit builders in the country and has an ever-growing lineup of meat cooking machinery. Not only do they have their now famous smoker ovens, their incredibly efficient gravity-fed cabinets are proving extremely popular in commercial settings, and they also make some of the most stylish asado grills you're ever going to see. Jagged is also well known for amazingly detailed custom work ranging from backyard designs all the way to installations in commercial kitchens. Proudly Australian designed, owned and manufactured, you can find out more at jaggedwoodfired.com.au spelled J-A-G-R-D. Once again, head to jaggedwoodfired.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D, to learn more. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so I just want to jump back in time now and and get to know Joey a little bit better, man. How did you get started in in barbecue? Was it something that you were born with? Did you grow up with barbecue, or did you find it later on in life? 
Um, I've always been a marketing guy. <clears throat> you know, I've always been in, involved in sales and in some sort, you know, um, and it happened to be at the particular time, um, I had a friend of mine who uh, opened up an RV dealership in uh, my local hometown. And um, he was just starting and he was trying to figure out a way how to get these things. Instead of trying to get people to his place, how could he get his product in front of people? And uh, in our hometown, we, we always had uh, a fair and rodeo that always had a cook-off involved. And uh, so I had the bright idea of, of uh, dragging a trailer down to, uh, to the cook-off and uh, just, you know, setting it there and, you know, just participating in this cook-off thing. And uh, previous to that, I was not a cook. Uh, I mean, I cooked a little bit at home, but I really wasn't a cook cook. Now, we can kind of backtrack. This was 22, I think it was 22, almost 23 years ago. And um, so it was it was some time ago. I'm, I'm a lot older than I look. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I had this idea, you know, I went, I had a borrowed pit, offset pit that I had borrowed from somebody. I think it maybe had an 18-inch chamber on it. And, um, you know, it was just literally that, you know, I took one brisket, took one rack of ribs and one chicken and went to go cook this and, uh, and beans because you had to cook beans at that deal. And I went to go cook that that cook off. And as soon as I got there, I realized that it was a very, very social event. And, you know, and it was more, you know, at that time, it was more about the camaraderie and, you know, hanging out and drinking and, you know, that type of deal. and so before you knew it, you know, I, I didn't ever even lit a fire. I didn't do anything, but I drank all <laughs> night long. And um, it was already getting to be morning time. And, you know, and I, I was, needless to say, I didn't turn in anything. And um, I had a great time. I got to understand a little bit more what cookoffs were, um, you know, but we did make some sales. So that was all that mattered. And, um, but after that, you know, the, the following year, um, you know, I found it interesting enough that I wanted to go back and, uh, you know, I put some equipment together and I did some practicing and, you know, we went and cooked and honestly, I cooked for like five years at that one event, never won anything, nothing, you know, but had a great time every year. And, um, in, in that whole time, you know, I, I was probably, uh, freshly married, you know, my wife and I had been together for, you know, a while. And, you know, we, we were just fixing to have some kids and we, we had kids and, you know, but I still wanted to go and kind of have a good time more than, you know, cook type of deal. And, uh, we did it for a while till the kids were about five or six or so. And then, uh, at that point I got a little bit more serious and, and was tired of partying and just wanted to go and, and really compete and started paying more attention. And that's when we started to actually, you know, do well. Um, and then it just kind of progressed, you know, on from there. Um, I went into some oil field sales. Um, and at that time, part of the oil field sales job was I would actually go and cook for uh, all my clients out in the field. And uh, at that time, Texas Oilman was just, it was just off the hook in, in Texas. And um, so, you know, I was literally going and cooking almost every day for customers out in the field. And, um, so my cooking skills improved. Um, you know, I got, had an excuse to buy bigger rigs. You know, I bought a 
a big old 28 foot enclosed trailer that was basically a big catering rig, you know? Um, and, um, we, I say I bought it. I actually bought the shell of the trailer and I actually built it out, built the wow. pit on it, built everything. And, um, we used that for a couple of years and competed and then figured out that that was, you know, we really wanted to push it harder. And, um, we got more and more serious as we got more serious. Uh, the brand, the B&B brand was a local charcoal to us, um, literally 40 minutes from me, from my house. And, um, as we competed more and more, we understood how expensive it was to do it without sponsors and without, you know, everybody else, you know, if you wanted to go cook every weekend and in Texas, you can literally cook every weekend, uh, except for Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, you can pretty <laughs> much cook every weekend if you want to. And, um, so we continued on cooking. Um, I pursued this brand, uh, to try to see if I could get them. You know, I had picked up another guy out of Austin, uh, uncle Bob's uh, country seasoning who, you know, he was my seasoning sponsor. Um, I had some friends that had meat markets that were kind of, you know, they weren't giving me product, but they were hooking me up with some good deals. And, um, so, you know, before you knew it, I had like five or six stickers on my trailer. And, you know, and I was like rolling, rolling hard, you know, I, I was sponsored up, you know, I had a cooler dealer, I had all kinds of people and really, and that's what it, it kind of got me, you know, because then I was like, okay, I'm out here and, and all I'm doing is marketing for the, all these brands, you know? So I said, I, I need to figure out how I can make this work for me. And so I pursued B&B and uh, I finally, finally met the owner and, and, you know, I convinced him that, you know, this was going to be the best thing for him ever. And, um, you know, got him talked into, you know, giving me like one pallet of, of mixed fuel, you know, everything from wood to, you know, you name it, I had it. I didn't care what it was. I had it. And we put it out proudly in front of the trailer every weekend. And, uh, before you knew it, um, you know, we understood, I started to understand the market a lot better. And, uh, there was a company out there that was called Western Wood Products and they still are out there today. And, um, at the time Western Wood was. I mean, in the Texas barbecue scene, they were it, you know, if you were recognized by that brand, um, yeah, I mean, you were something because they, they would come out and bring a big 30 foot rig and they would have huge parties and they would really entertain for the cooks, but it was a certain cook that they entertained for. So it wasn't everybody, you know, they would kind of go, go around and hand select. Oh yeah. You can kind of come to the party. You can come to the party. VIP parties. And, Exactly. You know, and it was the guys who got the calls. Those were the guys that got invited to the parties. And so as I kind of noticed that more and more, you know, I kind of understood, you know, what it took to kind of be part of that. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, here I am, you know, pushing the brand for b and B. I am, you know, I'm kind of doing, um, but, you know, out there just kind of competing on my own, you know, trying to make a name for myself. And uh, this is back in the day. I mean, I, I'm cooking right next to Ernest Cervantes. I'm cooking right next to all these guys who are something in Texas barbecue today. But at that time, we were all the same guy. We were just all struggling, trying to trying to not burn chicken. And um, so eventually what happened was um, the, the Western Wood products all of a sudden sold out to Duraflame. Duraflame bought them. Duraflame's a huge corporate company here. Um, as soon as they bought them, hospitality stopped cold turkey. Ooh. And, um, so all of a sudden, 
all these guys who had been really getting taken care of by the Western brands, that just went away. And so right over, you know, at that, I think it was the same week they sold out. Um, and it happened to be because I knew, I knew one of the guys that the family who actually owned Western Woods, he's the one who kind of confided in me, oh yeah, we're selling out and, you know, and it, it's kind of over and, you know, this type of deal. And so I approached the owner of uh, B&B and I said, hey, look, there's a great opportunity around the corner. I said, are you ready to grow this company? And uh, they'd never really had a sales guy before, um, you know, and he was like, well, what's he going to take? I said, I have no clue, uh, but I, I can guarantee you that in a year we can double your numbers. And um, then we went ahead, we made an agreement. You know, I started going, I didn't quit my job yet. Um, I was still doing oil field sales. And then I started going, doing, doing trade shows for him for free. Um, you know, just to go do stuff, you know, to be more involved with the brand. And then pretty much, you know, within about six months, you know, he brought me on, uh, we, I just told him what it was going to, you know, what I needed to live basically. Um, and we just kind of made an agreement and I went to work and, you know, and he was like, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't, I really don't know. I said, but we're going to, we're going to figure it out, you know? And, and it was kind of one of those deals, you know, I just started going and, and promoting the brand harder and putting product in people's hands. And I think within that first month or two, I think, you know, we had a uh, NBBQA meeting, you know, I went and became members of NBBQA, uh, met everybody at NBBQA. Memphis and May was right around the corner. I loaded up a whole trailer full of stuff and just showed up at Memphis and May. I didn't even know anybody. I knew teams that were going to be there. But I didn't have an invite. I didn't, nobody knew I was coming. You know, I just pulled up to the gate and said, I have charcoal for teams. And um, they just kind of let me in. And I just started going around and just leaving charcoal at all the different, you know, spots. And I think literally, I mean, I think that was the first time B&B had ever been outside of Texas. And um, from that point on, um, you know, I wound up at every event, yeah, the, the Royal Memphis in May, uh, the Jack, um, you know, barbecue festivals, Chicago, uh, DC, you name it. I was at all of them. And, uh, what it kept happening was, is I would see the same people at all these events and they never questioned it, you know? So, you know, I was just basically sliding in and, you know, doing my deal. I'd never pay to be there, you know, nothing. And, um, so, I kind of built this name of, of just being this guerrilla marketing guy who, uh, you know, if you saw this dude roll up, just respect to him, let him in, you know, whatever. And, um, so, and that's really how I built that brand is, you know, I, I paid attention, latched on to good people, good key people. Um, you know, the people who really meant something in the barbecue community, but I also got very, very involved. So I was board member with MBBQA. Um, you know, every event that people would ask me if I could, I'd say yes. Um, you know, and then I'd figure it out later, you know, type of deal. Um, you know, we weren't a company that we could give you $10,000 for an event, but I could give you a couple grand worth of charcoal, you know? And so we kind of just kind of built relationships that way. You know, before I knew it, I had guys like, uh, Darren Cosmo. I had Cosmo. I mean, I had, uh, Mo Kaysan. Uh, Mark Lambert. I had the Boards Night Out Boys. Uh, you know, I had at one point I had Heath Riles and I had Malcolm Reed. You know, I had all these guys that were 
you know, basically doing stuff for me, not because that I was paying these guys. It's because that they respected my hustle and I respected these guys. And, you know, they wanted me to support them. And I, you know, and again, all I asked them to do was support me. And um, so it went on like that for a while. You know, I had Saffron Hodgson work for me uh, for a while as well. Um, just talked to her actually the other day. And, um, you know, as things progressed and we grew and we started selling more and more and more and more, um, you know, the, the cart started getting way in front of the horse. And um, so I, there were some questions that started rising for me, you know, on, you know, how can we continue at this pace, you know, type of deal. We've done a great job at, at growing, but at the same time growing, we weren't finishing, you know, so we would, sure. we would start working with someone and then, you know, we weren't even halfway during the relationship. And then, you know, they want to bring somebody else in and then they want to bring somebody else in. And as far as, you know, uh, retail stores and big chain stuff, you know, and I'm a big guy on relationships. So I believe if I came with you, I'm going to leave with you, you know, type of deal is I don't believe in going, oh, yeah, well, you know, even though I'm doing business with you, I want to do business with you and you and you, even though y'all, none of y'all can get along. Um, that doesn't work for me. And um, so when I saw things going kind of sideways, um, that's when we kind of agreed to disagree. And I, I left B&B basically. And, um, you know, from that point, I had a small hiatus um, and uh, striked up a conversation with uh, Sebastian Bessert with uh, Fogo Charcoal. And uh, Sebastian was a great guy, great product. Um, and at the same time, I had a relationship that we had kind of started with Tim Shear. And uh, Tim was a great guy, uh, really loved what he was doing. You know, it seemed like everything he touched turned to gold in the barbecue world. And um, at the time, you know, Tim wasn't ready for me. Um, Sebastian was. And, um, you know, and I just told Sebastian, you know, I'd love to come and help you. But I, you know, I can't guarantee you I'm going to stay here. I don't know if this is going to last forever, you know, whatever. And sure enough, you know, I got there. I made some great introductions to the Fogo Charcoal brand, uh, to a lot of great people in Texas and abroad. And um, then I think it was six months into it. And, you know, Tim goes, OK, I'm ready now. I was like, well, okay, you know, and we had a conversation with Sebastian and he totally understood. And, you know, there was a lot of things that I wanted to do that he wasn't ready to do yet. Um, and uh, Tim was. And so, you know, I went ahead and, and I just bit the bullet. But the good thing was, is we left, you know, on, on really great terms. I still talk to Sebastian all the time. Um, you know, the, a lot of the guys who were his brand ambassadors were my brand ambassadors when I was with B&B. Uh, when I left b and I had a lot of guys who were waiting in the wings going, okay, what do we do now that you're not there? I was like, well, I said, it, it's it's kind of one of those deals. If, if you want to hang on, hang on. You know, if you want to follow me, I don't know where I'm going. You know, so, you know, I had a few guys that I put on the Fogo deal, um, you know, and I have a few guys who who waited in the wings and, and they're still following me today. And, um, you know, I've never been a guy who's a pay-to-play guy. So uh, I don't like, um, I like to make relationships, but I don't like to pay ambassadors. Um, you know, I'm going to pay you for your time. And if you're, you're earning us money, um, there, there's no reason for me to, you know, take your time without, you know, reimbursing you type of deal. 
Um, uh, let's not use reimbursed. <clears throat> let's say pay you for your time type of thing. Um, but there's a lot of programs that have started that is a pay to play programs. You know, you do this and then I'll send you some money back later. You know, I, that doesn't work for me. I, I could never work for anyone that said, yeah, you spend all your money on your credit card and then you send me the receipts and then I'll pay you whenever I want to, you know, type of deal. That doesn't work for me. You know, um, so uh, there's a lot of people who got kind of swindled into that deal to where, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, you do all this stuff for us and and then we'll pay you later. You know, um, and again, like I said, it doesn't work. Uh, you know, people are. I know that there's so many more people who are in competitive world today, you know, and everybody wants to have all those stickers on their trailer and they want to have, you know, you know, they want to have all this recognition and, you know. Because a lot of people think the more brands that you have on your trailer is the, the more successful you are. And um, you can take a look at the most successful people in barbecue. Most of those guys only have their name on the trailer. You know, so you have to remember <clears throat> that in the back of your head that, you know, it, it's brands don't help you grow. Now, they can ease the pain, you know, when you're, you know, going to buy everything every weekend. Uh, but again, like I said, it, it's kind of one of those deals that I, I don't want people to to think that you have to have a ton of sponsors, you know, or, you know, stuff like that. Promote the stuff that you use that helps you win, that you don't mind buying, because that's the main thing is is if you're using an inferior product because you get it for free, but it still doesn't give you the results that you really, really want, or if you're actually you're putting this free product out front, but you're actually cooking with something else. You know, I see that all the time, you know, it's not worth, it's not worth it because guess what? Your neighbors know what you're doing. Everybody else knows what you're doing. Uh, but that's kind of what, you know, what I see in this, in this whole game and the way that we're trying to promote this, you know, the, the blue Hog brands and gateway brands right now, um, drum smokers, for example, right now in Texas, we got 15 guys. We're all making drum smokers. Do they all cook the same? No, they don't all cook the same. They all cook way different. You know, the one that I have cooks extremely good. And you don't have to babysit it. You don't have to put fans on it. You don't have to do anything. But I still have people who put fans on them. I still have people who, you know, do all these other things that you really don't have to. And then there's some people who have drums that that's the only way they run is with fans and, you know, everything else. But I'm still one of those guys that, you know, if, if you get outside of Texas, you go to KCBS, you go to any of these other events anywhere else that's heavily dominated by KCBS, you're going to see a ton of gateways. The reason why you see a ton of gateways is because they work exactly like they say they are. That's why we have guys who come from Australia who can make a phone call and say, hey, can I have a gateway or two when I come over there to cook on? Perfect. You don't have to test cook that. It's going to cook this just like the one you had at home. And that's kind of one of the nice things for us is, you know, Tim Shear has built a great name for himself in the industry. He's a winner. He's a champion. He's done everything else, but he's probably one of the most humble guys that you'll ever meet. The only problem is, is Tim's not a guy who's going to go way out of his way to go and meet every single person. But if you go up and approach Tim, he's going to be more than happy to, to sit there, talk to you. He's got an open door policy. Um, you know, if you see his trailer there and you want to go ask him something and he's right in the middle of turn in, 
He's not one of those guys who goes, no, get out of here. You know, I, I can't deal with you until after this. He'll take the time to talk to you. And um, that's one of the nicest things about Tim and, you know, the, the whole mentality that he has is he's one of the most laid back cookers ever. And um, he actually, he's got great success. He's a simple cooker. Um, you know, he doesn't make things super complicated. Um, so if you want to win from someone or learn from someone who wins, that's one of the guys to pay attention to, you know, and it's easy to tweak everything. Um, but, you know, it's my first experience that I ever had with KCBS. There's a guy, his name's Lance Moore, and um, he's actually West Texas Pitmasters. And he's out in uh, Plainview, Texas. And I went up to a Sam's event one weekend. I was I was tagging around with uh, Matt and Sarah Walker with Boomerang Barbecue. And um, I wanted to learn KCBS. And um, he was there. And he didn't have, you know, nobody was with him. He was by himself. So I just introduced myself and said, hey, you know, I'd love to learn KCBS. And, you know, do you need, I saw you didn't have anybody with you. Can I help you? Say, yeah, come on, get in the trailer, you know, do whatever. And I tell you what, that guy, he changed my whole mentality of cooking because I had these complex processes and sauces and seasonings and injections. And, and when I left him, I had everything on one sheet of paper for every category. And, um, and I, and the whole sheet of paper wouldn't even filled up, you know, and luckily that guy showed me, Lance was the one who really showed me how you can make great barbecue very simply, you know, which a lot of people don't like to hear because, you know, they want to have 15 different products in their recipes. Um, but, you know, his deal was very, very simple. Um, luckily, you know, I have a son, Ty, who, who's been very successful in barbecue as well. Um, and I took everything that Lance taught me is exactly what I gave to my son. And, um, I told him to strip it down and I told him to cook super simple and, you know, and cook the way, if you don't like the way it tastes, then nobody's going to like the way you taste. Um, and that's kind of where we got. And I said, and, and if judges don't like it, it just means that they're not a good judge. So my thing is I, I do two things. You either have a good cook or you have terrible judges. That's the way I look at every single cook, you know, and I'm not going to go and change my recipes every single time that I, have a stinker at a cook-off. Um, and that's kind of one of my theories. You know, if I go and cook and I cook three cook-offs using the same exact recipes and I do good at two and I tank at one, I'm going to continue to cook. it. If I tank all three times, then I'll tweak. But other than that, I leave alone. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Alrighty, Joey. Now this is the third segment of our show. This is the part that is the 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 guests' uh, lesson or tips um, for the viewers and the listeners. And if you are joining us live, this is the time to start popping your questions for Joey into the comments, and I'll put them to to, uh, to him after he's finished sharing some wisdom with us. Now, mate, you want to talk to us about uh, tips and tricks for for promoting um, the for promoting a brand. So I'm going to throw it over to you, and you can impart some wisdom on us. And I think that we've probably covered a little bit of that in previous conversations, but probably the one of the main things is, you know, what we saw, especially during this, this hard time that we're coming out of, you know, um, we saw a lot of people who 
came up with new brands and uh we came there's a lot of people who who just decided to make their own products and take a leap of faith into this barbecue world uh first and foremost i want to say <clears throat> congratulations because this was the time to do it um the one thing that you have to understand is is there's there's two schools of thought in the barbecue world the number one is if you have a small brand and it's a small batch brand and you're making it in your kitchen or if you're making it you know mm -hmm. however you're going to do it you know you're making less than a pallet when you're doing this product uh, you have to understand the value of your product because i know i've done it you know it, it took me you know sixty dollars to make one bottle of sauce you know by the time that i bought you know so-and-so's you know glaze and this sauce and that sauce and can you know put them all together uh, to create my own product so you have to be very thoughtful as you're going through this process to make sure that you can make something that people can afford and something that you can afford to make and something that will have a little bit of shelf life um the other thing that i want to say is once you have a good product and you find people who can honestly give you their opinions on the product because a lot of times when you take a product and you go and give it to somebody and they're going to, Oh yeah, I love it. It was great. It was perfect. Guess what? They didn't spend their money on it. They didn't, they didn't make any investment in it. So uh, it's like it's your family barbecue. You have the best barbecue every single time your family's there, you know, and then later on when they go home, maybe it may change. I don't know. But I mean, the thing is you have to understand is, is you're not going to get a totally unbiased opinion every single time that you put something in front of someone. Um, so it's always good to just get some very random people that you know is competitive or whatever, you know, if that's what your intention is and get that product out to those people and let them honestly judge your product. Um, and then you have to understand too, is, you know, when you, when you taste the seasoning right out of the bottle, it's way different once it's cooked. It's way different once you cook it on beef or once you cook it on chicken or once you cook it on an emu, whatever you're going to cook it on. Um, your The flavor palette changes so much. And um, so you have to have a lot of direction for people to understand how to use your product. Mm. That's one of the things that a lot of people don't get. And it's one of the things that I'm actually working on right now is working with a lot of independent guys to really get the product story out because just because it's a barbecue rub you know you get it and you're going to use it you may not use it for that mm -hmm. intended purpose or how they expected you to use that product we're barbecue guys we don't we don't read instructions we don't you know we don't do any of that you know <clears throat> we we use it the way that we think it's supposed to be used and then if it works perfect if it doesn't you go oh no that stuff's no good you know, um, so the thing is, is once you have a product out there and people receive it well, then you have to find good partners to be able to sell your product. Now, to, in today's age, all you need is social media and a fulfillment. So whether you're doing it that at home, you're paying your kids to do it, whoever's going to do it, um, everything costs nickels add up to dollars. So uh, what you wind up having is you have to figure out, you know, how much is it going to cost to ship? You know, how much is that bottle? If I can't get that bottle cap today, 
what am I going to use if I don't have it? You know, once I get to X amount of dollars, uh, do I have to start claiming this on my taxes? Um, you know, you have to figure out the ins and out of this type of stuff. You want to go sell it on the weekends, you know, whatever. <clears throat> the barbecue in sauce and seasoning industry is very, 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 very inundated and very hard. Um, you're going to have what you find is you'll see a lot of people who will flock to one thing and then another. So if somebody has a little bit of success here on this one product, this one time, and you happen to put it on social media, um, then all of a sudden it's going to sell well. You got to remember, I mean, five years ago, nobody shared anything that they did. You couldn't even get in a trailer. You couldn't see what they were doing. It was very, very, very secretive. Nowadays, everybody wants you to know what they're doing. So, I mean, the times have changed so much. Even what we're doing with Barbecue League right now is we actually get invitations to guys at contests. They go, oh, will you come and film me doing my box turn in? Man, five years ago, we couldn't do that. No, Nobody, they didn't want you to see nothing, you know. But again, like I said, is is now it's it's so easy for you to get on and make a success story. But it's also very easy for you to to determine whether you want to go down this road and make this investment because it can be a crazy, crazy investment. Um, and uh, you have to decide, I mean, are you a businessman for barbecue or are you a competition guy for barbecue? There's few guys who make it work. Bill Purvis is a great example right now. Bill Purvis is very successful. He just launched his seasoning line. And guess what? His success is pushing that seasoning. Now, once the people get that seasoning in their hands, and if they can experience the same success that he's having, they're going to continue to buy the product. Now, again, Fred Robles, he just launched the line uh, dish this week as well. You know, again, success tends to follow some of these people who immediately are going to be successful. Sell a case, sell a, a pallet, you know, right off the bat. Uh, remember, don't get discouraged. If you believe in your product, and it's a good product, and you have people who will give you good, honest opinions on it, pursue it. You know, figure out the way that you can make the most money on it. The, the way you're going to make the most money on it is if you sell it yourself. Um, other than that, you know, like I said, is you can go put it in a shop and consign it and, you know, see if, if it sells in a month, you know, and um, then they'll pay you a little bit back or, you know, whatever. But um, like I said, I mean, it's, if it's a passion, pursue it. Uh, you know, if it's a passing, you know, it's a passing, you know, but uh, like I said, you know, it, it helps to be a little successful in what you're doing. Um, if if you're not successful, find somebody who is to help you make it successful. Pretty simple. Yeah, good, man. That's some great advice there. Beautiful. Um, thank you very much for that. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, now's probably a good time for us to start wrapping this up, um, bringing the yep. interview to an end. So I'm going to throw the studio over to you now. Give some uh, thanks, give some praise, give some shout-outs to people that have helped you out along the way, and make sure you tell everybody where they can track you down on the internet. Sure. Um, I tell you, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've really enjoyed this time being here. Uh, I look forward to seeing you and our Australian friends this year, hopefully. Um, you know, uh, I know that, you know, everything is coming. We're right around the corner from everything. So, um, hopefully, you know, everyone will get an opportunity to come see us. And a lot of us will get a chance to go see you. And, um, you know, one of the other things 
you know, right now is luckily for me, the Blues Hog and Gateway brands treat me extremely well. Um, that is, you know, who I work for on a daily and that's what I do. Um, the, so if you need Blues Hog products or Gateway products, please let us know and we'll make sure we find your retailer close or you can always order them directly from us and we'll get them there. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say is, you know, we do work with other brands uh, right now, um, promotional wise, uh, you know, for the barbecue league and that, and it's like Yeti and uh, work with Tito's Vodka. I work with uh, uh, Topo Chico, uh, work with uh, Gunther Wilhelm Knives. Um, I got a sporty little knife case. He's not supporting me, but uh, I got Maka, who's who's got me a cool knife roll that I goes with me everywhere I go, and I promote it as much as I can. Um, but other than that, you know, barbecue family's barbecue family. I've been blessed to know just about everybody there is in this barbecue world. And um, I'm always looking for more friends. And um, like I said, is we'll, uh, if you ever see me anywhere and you need some help or support, please feel free to reach out. Um, you know, I'm kind of a fixer in the barbecue world. You know, if I don't have it, I probably know who does. And um, we can always, you know, it's all about relationships and, you know, growing great relationships in here. Uh, I try to keep a good name in the industry. And um, it's one of those things. If you stick with good people in the industry, good things happen to you. Absolutely, man. Definitely. Uh, look, thank you very much for your time. And I'm going to uh, wish you all the best of luck with your future endeavors. And I look forward to seeing your next adventure uh, and road trip with, uh, with James, James Cruz. Yes, me too. I don't know where that's going to lead, but like I said, there's we got lots of crazy things coming up in the future. And there you have it, folks. That was Joey Machado from, wow, so many things. Blues Hog, Gateway Drum Smokers. He was just mentioning he's doing some work with Yeti as well. I mean, and how good were those words of wisdom about how to grow your own brand and to represent your own brand? That was just, that was, you know, there's a lot of gold in there. A lot of good stuff. Um, okay, so now before I, I do let you go for the day, just to remind you of the announcements from the top, huge thanks to our podcast partner, Jagged, for helping us bring you this this episode today. Um, I know that uh, that uh, Joey and Jules get along well. Um, they, they met when they were over in Houston as well. So there's a bit of a personal connection there, which is nice as well, which is what um, Joey was talking about, making those personal network connections. So do check them out. They build some great smokers. Um, the other thing is, if you're just at the start of your journey, head to smokinghotconfessions.com, grab your ebook, come join us on the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community on Facebook, and then you too can be a part of these live podcast recordings. And um, forgetting one, oh, of course, all the social media stuff. Joey was just talking about how important all that was, and I just plum forgot it at the end of the show. So the social media stuff, the likes, the shares, the comments, the ratings and reviews, anything you do to help us out, we would really appreciate it, and we would love you forever. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>